But Lord, we humble ourselves now before you, Lord God, and then just pray as the living God, you would speak to us and encourage us and strengthen us through John, we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. We're really thankful to have John Sweetman here with us this morning. Many of you will know John. Uh, he's been the principal of Malian Bible College. He's uh, recently been the interim director of the Baptist Movement, now works with the regional coordinators around our state, but he regularly preaches here and we're so thankful that he can come and share with us this morning. So could you please welcome John as he comes to share God's Word. Thank you, Andrew. I've been doing this January stint for uh, quite a few years now, probably 20 years or more. Uh, and uh, I was sitting there this morning and I thought, where's the garage sale? There's <laughs> always garage sale, garage sale. Isn't it wonderful now that you've got a ministry going on right throughout the year <laughs> to the community like this? It's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm going to talk about leadership this morning and uh, our reaction to leadership. Last year, there was a, a number of very concerning stories uh, in the Christian media, some of us taken up wider than that, but particularly in the Christian media about a couple of leaders. Uh, one of these leaders was a guy called Ravi Zacharias, who led a very large apologetics worldwide uh, ministry. And he was uh, incredibly well-known and incredibly respected in, in Christian circles. One of the leading Christian leaders in, in, in the whole of the world. Uh, he died in uh, 2019, uh, no, so 2020. But in 2021, it, had, it came out that this uh, incredibly respected worldwide leader was, was actually a sexual predator and that he'd spent uh, a lot of time ab abusing women, particularly poor women and that, uh, over a period of time. And and, and this was a great shock for the, the Christian community uh, as we heard the story as it came out bit by bit of what had actually gone on there. And his ministry, his organisation uh, has largely fallen apart uh, since over this year. The other major story about a Christian leader was uh, a podcast that Christianity Today produced uh, called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Has, has anyone listened to that? All right, just a few people have here. Well, it was a, it's the story of the rise and fall of a church in Seattle uh, called Mars Hill that grew rapidly and became one of the largest churches in the world and then collapsed in 2014, uh, completely collapsed and some groups separated, uh, but overall the church disappeared. And it was a story of what happened in that. And that church was led by Mark Driscoll, who was... Uh, incredible communicator while he was preaching towards the end of his time anyway he was the most downloaded uh, podcaster in, in Christian circles you know so he had a tremendous impact this man but it turns out uh, that Mark as well as being a great comedian and a fantastic communicator was actually a real bully and uh, and all sorts of bad things were happening in the church and that's why eventually it collapsed so when you go through those stories through very two very prominent Christian leaders that had both, in different ways, uh, had been very influential and then very abusive. Uh, you kind of think, what on earth is going on with Christian leaders? Uh, unfortunately, these are not isolated experiences. Uh, over the years, there's been many Christian leaders like this. And in fact, even in the biblical times, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, 
there were leaders of God's people that were just very, very bad, abusive leaders. Let me just read to you for, as an example, just to prove this. First, is from Ezekiel 34. It's Ezekiel prophesying. He's a prophet. He's prophesying against the leaders uh, of Israel. And this is what he says. Uh, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you don't take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Now these kind of stories, uh, if you hear them enough, make us very wary and suspicious uh, of, Christian, of Christian leaders. And some of you may well have experienced leaders like that yourself in a church somewhere, in an organisation somewhere. And you feel the same way. You say, who can we trust? Who can we respect? Like, look at what Christian leaders have done to me and to my life, in my life. And if, as you talk to people who uh, no longer go to church, uh, a number of them will talk about an experience they had in a church with an abusive type of leadership. So they make us very wary, don't they, of Christian leaders. I had a, a number of people last year come to me and say, uh, in this kind of environment where we're reading and listening to the same stuff, they said, what are we doing in Queensland Baptist to stop our pastors being like this? And I can understand that concern, uh, particularly as the church grows and a leader gains significance and prominence. Uh, then the danger is that they can be attracted to that, that they can become abusive in various, uh, in, in various ways. And we don't want that in our church. We really don't. And we need to do everything we can to resist those kind of leaders. We need to be suspicious and critical of our leaders. We need to make sure they stay humble. We need to be sure that they don't become too confident or too self-assured or, or too self-reliant. As you listen to these stories, you think, we've got to be tougher on our leaders. Except that that's not really what the Bible says. <laughs> uh, if you read the New Testament, it actually says we need to support our leaders. Uh, let me give you an example of this from the book of Hebrews. So I want to preach on uh, this passage from Hebrews uh, this morning. And I want to give you an example because it talks about how we're to treat uh, our, our leaders. And uh, I just need to give you some background to this. So no one knows who wrote this book. Uh, it was addressed, though, to a, a church, perhaps Jerusalem, perhaps Rome, but a church that's struggling where it's got a lot of Jewish people people who had become believers in, in Christ, but now they're tending to drift back to their old faith, partly because Christians were getting persecuted and Jews not so much, partly because some people were saying, hey, you've abandoned the ceremonies and the procedures and the sacrifices and all that. And so they were starting to drift back and they were starting to drift out of Christianity. And, and so this uh, book is written by a leader in the church or who's probably not there at the moment, but writing to them and saying, hey, you need to be very careful about this. So it's people that are very well versed in Judaism that are, that are receiving uh, this book. Now, the passage that I want to read to you is Hebrews 13, 7 to 17. And the first verse, 7, is about leadership. And the last verse is about leadership. 
uh, and then the rest is sort of in between. So I'm going to read it to you and just explain very briefly how it all fits together. But I'm going to focus on the two verses, one at the beginning and one at the end because it's a sort of a unified passage uh, and talk about how we should be treating our leaders. All right, so here we go. Let's read it. Hebrews uh, 13, starting at verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So this is a congregation that's sort of moving away from the original gospel So he's saying, hey, don't do that. Jesus Christ is the same. What you heard right at the start is what you should still be holding to. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. So the teachings he's talking about is Jewish teachings about ceremonies and food that you should eat and all the rest and sacrifices. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle, so the Jewish priests, have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. In other words, he's saying, we're not insiders. We're not part of the Jewish faith now. We're outsiders like Jesus was. For here, verse 14, for here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking forward for the city that's to come. So there's a, there's a, we'll be insiders eventually, but we're not meant to be that now. So what do we do about all these sacrifices and all these procedures? Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, as we've done this morning, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for which you have, for, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So our sacrifices are praise and serving others. And then he comes back to leaders again, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So the message we get from from this passage and from many other places is is not be careful about your leaders or not... uh, critique your leaders, but actually support your leaders. Encourage your leaders, stand with your leaders, imitate your leaders. Don't be tough on your leaders, but support them. But wasn't this the problem that we're talking about at the start with Ravi Zacharias and with Mark Driscoll? The problem was people weren't tough on them. People supported them. People respected them. People said they were wonderful and And all this abuse uh, was going on. So what do we do (laughs) with leaders? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, um, I'm I'm sure that the writer of the Hebrews here is not saying, give your leaders a blank check. In other words, it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how they live. 
Uh, you're to imitate them anyway. You're to submit to them anyway. Like, give them a blank check. Let them do what they like and then you have to follow them. That's not what he's saying. In fact, there are some leaders that he's referring to in this passage, which is some of the Jewish leaders that are pulling them away from faith, that he's, that he's saying, don't follow those leaders. Don't imitate those people. So it's not a blank check. That was, it was the problem with, uh, with Mark Driscoll and with Ravi Zacharias. They were given a blank check. Because they were so successful and so effective, uh, people said, well, we mustn't sort of question them. We must stand with them. You know, the whole of their ministry or the whole of their church in the case of Driscoll depends on their influence and all the rest. So we, we can let them get away with things. And, and that was a very dangerous thing to do. And the uh, result of it was disastrous, really, for, for the Christian church. You see, this argument, and I, I hear it again and again, that the end justifies the means is a very dangerous one for Christians. So... Yeah, well, that person may not be doing such everything right, but hey, look at the results. Look at the, what's coming out of it. And that was certainly of Driscoll. Do you know what I mean? Look at the size of the church. Look at the speed of the growth of this church. Yeah, he's a bit harsh and he's a bit hard in places, but we can put up with that because good things are happening out of it. And the same with Zacharias. And, uh, and that's just very dangerous for, Christi- for Christians to say the end justifies the means. So we're not saying, Hebrews isn't saying, hey, just imitate them, do it, let them do what they like. That's not what it's saying here. We don't give leaders a blank check. In fact, if you read sort of into this a little bit, you can see that there's at least two things that are expected of Christian leaders that we need to be looking for. Before we imitate, before we obey, before we submit, we need to be looking for at least two things. Uh, the first one's in verse 7 and the other one's in verse 17. The first one in verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the Word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Their way of life um, needs to be worth imitating. <laughs> if you've got leaders that, that, are, that are not living in such a way that it, it radiates God's presence, then, then don't imitate people like that. The character of leaders does need to be assessed. We need to look at our leaders and say, are they godly people? Are they people that reflect in their character the fruit of the Spirit? Can you see love and joy and peace and patience and self-control and, and grace? Like, can you see those things uh, in their lives? Do they reflect God's character? And if you don't find that in your leaders, rather than excusing it, well, God's using them anyway, uh, you need to give them a wide berth. You need to be very wary of leaders that are not reflecting in their character the image of God. The second thing is that they need to be people who are genuine shepherds. That comes out in verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. In other words, these are people, our leaders need to be people who take their responsibility to us very seriously, that are committed to us. Now, that doesn't mean they'll do everything that we want or listen to everything we have to say, but they are genuinely concerned. They are serious. They're serious about sharing the Word of God with us. They're serious about caring for us. They're serious about listening to us. They're serious about supporting us. Like, and they're serious about wanting God's best for our lives. They're genuine shepherds. 
And when we find leaders like that who live a character that reflects growth, not perfect by any means, but their character reflects a growth in the Spirit and they are genuinely shepherds, they genuinely care and are doing this not for their own sake, but for the sake of us. When we find leaders like that, then we are to support them to the hilt. One of my concerns, uh, and we all know that we're living in times where there's a lot of people wanting to tell us what we should believe and what we should think and how we should, how we should live. And one of my great concerns is that we can easily listen to people who say the things we want, but we have no idea what their character is. We have no idea what their motives are. We have no idea about their commitment to the gospel. Uh, but we trust them. We follow them. We submit to them uh, when we don't know them. And that's a very dangerous thing because the Bible says it, it's character that's, that's vital. It's it's desire to shepherd and care and love and support, they're the things that are vital. And when I hear people saying, oh, so-and-so said this, or I read this article and it said this, and it's not, I know it's not what the leaders of the church are saying, then that greatly concerns me uh, because we're listening to those who we don't know, because we don't know their character and we don't know their motives. The writer of Hebrews says, Give godly shepherds your full support. He says to to persecuted Christians, be careful about some leaders uh, because they're trying to take you back to the past. They're trying to get you to do do a whole lot of rituals. They're uh, moving away from the gospel. Don't listen to them, but look for godly leaders that are true shepherds and then give them your support. So we need to choose carefully who we're going to follow. And the people that we ultimately follow best are the people that we know, people that we can trust, people that we can examine their lives. As the passage says, remember your leaders, consider the outcome of their way of life. People that we can see how they're actually living and then we can follow them. So when you find a Christian leader who leads with a grace gospel, who has right motives, the desire to share, but who has good character, then make, you, make sure you support them fully. Now, how do you do that? Now, I've got lots of ideas of things. Pray for them is one example of that. But what I want to do is look at this passage and it says, how can we support leaders like that? What do we need to be doing if we're going to follow well? Uh, and so let's have a look. And so one of the things comes out of verse 7 again and one of them comes out of verse 17. What do we do? The first one is to watch and imitate. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So what are these leaders doing well? That's what we need to be doing. We need to be imitating. We need to be following. We need to be copying our leaders. In 2020, we sold a house and uh, I've uh, sold a couple of houses in my life, but but I'm not an expert in it. Every single time I've needed help. And so we looked for someone who could help us with this. It was, uh, it was before the huge rise in prices. <laughs> uh, and so we wanted to get a good, the best price we possibly could uh, for, for our house. And so we looked around the place and we engaged someone that we knew a little bit, uh, a lady called Roxanne, who was a real estate agent. 
And because we knew a little bit about her, because we knew that she'd been effective and what she'd done, because we trusted her, because we believed that she was a person of integrity, then uh, when she said to do things, we did them. So when she said, you need to declutter, we decluttered. When she said, you need to fix that carpet upstairs, which had waves in it like that, we, we, we got a brand new carpet. Cheap one, but a brand, brand new carpet upstairs. By the way, she wasn't always right because uh, uh, when we, on the, after the day of settlement, we drove past the house just for one last time and we looked at it and, and remembered and saw our brand new carpet out on the front lawn. Obviously, <laughs> they hadn't appreciated the carpet that we put in there. Uh, so, uh, but when she said, hey, I think this is a good price. This is probably as good as you're going to get. Then we accepted that price. Uh, when the uh, potential owners came back after building inspection and said, oh, well, this little thing's wrong and this is wrong and this wrong and we want a couple of thousand dollars off, she said, ignore them. She said, it's a 30-year-old house. What do they expect? And I wasn't quite strong enough there, but I didn't give them all that they wanted. Do you know what I mean? Just a little small discount, you know. So I trusted her and we did what she wanted and we made, I think, a good sale in the house. 12 months later, it didn't look such a good sale, but at the time it looked a really good sale because we had someone that we could, that we could trust, someone that we could model our ideas, someone who was experienced in what we're doing. And, and that's what uh, the writer to Hebrews is saying here. Like we're constantly looking in the Christian, as Christians for people that, that are living it out, that are doing this. And we're seeking to have them as, as models, not as someone who gets it right all the time, but, but as, as models. Now, we don't do this very well generally. Like, like who are you following? Like, who are you modelling your Christian life on? Um, we, we don't do this well. And there's a couple of reasons at least why we don't do this well. And uh, let me just briefly talk about them. The first one is that because we've been taught, you don't look at people, you look at Jesus. Isn't that right? right? People are going to fail you all the time. No, none of them, no one's got it all together. Uh, when we... we when we have something and we put a little band on our wrist or whatever, it says, what would Jesus do? Not what would Andrew do or Dan do or Jody do. Like, we don't do that. It's what would Jesus do? And so our philosophy, our way of thinking has been, we follow Jesus. He's our model and no people can get in the way of that. And as good Baptists, that might, there might be a little bit in our theology that says the same sort of thing. You know, it's Jesus. It's not a priest or anything else that stands between us and God. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? Does that make sense to you? We follow Jesus, not, not people. Except that that's not what the Bible says. Paul, for instance, let me put a few verses up there just to prove to you that, that this is what the emphasis of the Bible, not just the writer of Hebrews. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Uh, Philippians 3.17, And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 9, But in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. And then from Hebrews, earlier on in Hebrews, we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Like Paul is saying and the writer of Hebrews is saying, look for people that you can model your life on, you know, who are modelling their life on Jesus. 
And who are those people likely to be? Well, they're likely to be leaders that we are to model ourselves on. Uh, and so, yes, we imitate Jesus. Of course we do. But we also look for people. These are people that are living it out that we can say, yes, that's what I would like to be. That's how I would like to do it. And we can model our lives on them, imitate them. That's what this passage is saying. And if you've got no one that you're imitating, then you're missing out on a huge amount because this is going to really help you understand what it is to follow Jesus and to serve Jesus. So the first reason is we, we say, you know, uh, follow Jesus, not people. The second problem that we have is we kind of think that, that leaders are kind of different breed of people. Um, somehow we think that it's, it's, it's easier for leaders to live the Christian life, that they're made of stronger stuff than, than we have. So it's, so it's no use imitating them because they do it easier. You know, like it, prayer is easier for, for leaders and, and following Jesus is easier for leaders and reading the Bible is easier for leaders, you know. So, so because they're different than... We, don't, we, we, we can't really follow them because they have such a head start. Is that true, Dan? <laughs> I should ask Katie, shouldn't I? Is that true, Katie? <laughs> of course it's not. Like I've been a leader for a long time and I can tell you I have the same fears and the same concerns and the same temptations and the same struggles that you do. Leaders are exactly in the same boat. And if they are following Jesus more strongly, it's not because they're better people. <laughs> it's because Jesus is more real in, your, in their lives. And if that's the case, then you need to be following them. <laughs> you need to be imitating because that's what you want as well. So support your leaders by learning from them and modelling yourselves on their lives. And that's going to be a great blessing for them. Right? As I as a leader and as leaders in this church... Uh, uh, find that people actually look to them, uh, ask questions of them, model themselves uh, on their lives. That's a great blessing uh, to them. Uh, was it Oscar Wilde who wrote, uh, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. <laughs> and if I've got people that I know trust me and I know respect me and I know in some ways are seeking to follow me, that's a great encouragement for leaders and that's a great support for leaders. So the first thing we need to do is to watch and to imitate. Let me just read that verse again and make sure this is coming straight from Scripture. Remember your leaders who spoke the Word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. So no blank checks. We look at what they're, how they're living. And then if they are living for Jesus, imitate their faith. The second thing that uh, this passage says in verse 17 is to trust and submit to leaders. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Now, if watching and, and imitating is difficult, trusting and submitting is even more countercultural. Because we're Aussie, aren't, Aussies, aren't we? We come from good convict stock. You don't trust leaders. You don't respect leaders. Like anyone who's a tall poppy, you've got to try and cut them down. We're Aussies. We're all the same. You know, we don't want people leading us or telling us what to do. Uh, 
That's why leading in Australia, not just in the church, but anywhere in Australia, is a very difficult thing because we don't respect our leaders. And some of it, at least, I'm sure does come from our, from our back, background. We don't tend to trust our leaders. We don't tend to have confidence in them. And this attitude that is rife throughout Australia makes leading very difficult for people. I remember uh, early on in my ministry at Brackenridge when I was, became senior pastor there, I went away on holidays. And while I was away on holidays, a couple of people from the church, not leaders in the church, just uh, people in the church, went around and visited everyone in the church and told them that, that I had a secret agenda, that uh, I was secretly trying to make the church Pentecostal. And that was probably a good thing, but, but uh, that was a bad thing for the church, right? And uh, so John's really got this secret agenda, you know. Now, I had a lot of problems. I was not perfect in any ways, but I didn't have secret agendas. <laughs> what you saw is what you got. And what, what concerned me greatly about it was not so much that people would think that, that's fine, people have different opinions about things, but so many people believed them. When they could see my life and they knew who I was and they listened to my preaching every week, you know, that someone would say, oh, yeah, but really there's something going on here and people would believe that. It's... Um, it's so easy to sow, particularly in an Aussie-type environment, so easy to sow distrust, uh, to sow criticism uh, of leaders. Uh, it's, hard, it's not hard to create problems for leaders in our culture, which doesn't tend to respect leadership very much at all. Now, as we've seen, with some leaders, our distrust is deserved. Right? We, do, I'm, I, we need to call out that, right? It's not a matter of just saying, well, whatever they do is okay. That's not what we're saying here. We, uh, there are leaders that will abuse, that, are, that maybe were, had right motives at one stage, but their motives have changed over time. And, and we need to be aware of that. So I'm not just saying that uh, uh, every leader we just need to respect and submit to, but there are many leaders, many leaders, Ordinary men and women that, are, that genuinely want to serve God. Not perfectly, but genuinely want to serve God. That genuinely want to shepherd people, care for people, love people, help people grow uh, in their faith. People that teach and care and support and envision and, and lead. And, and these leaders are trying to hold it all together. And it's a tough job, leadership. Many of you will know that. It's a tough job leadership. I was, in preparation for this, I was reading uh, uh, some commentaries and one had a story in about a pastor who, uh, who was uh, one night, uh, his wife woke up and found him at the end of the bed. He was still asleep. Do you know what I mean? Like this was part of a nightmare or something that he was happening. And, and she found him and he was at the end of the bed and he, was, he had his arms out like this and he was holding on desperately, you know, and... Uh, and his, his, his wife said, what are you, what are you doing? She, he said, shh, shh, shh. He said, I'm holding together a pyramid of marbles. <laughs> and if I move, it's all going to collapse. <laughs> well, leadership feels like that sometimes. <laughs> it really does. And uh, so I understand that. It's a big responsibility. And spiritual leaders will have to account to God for the responsibility and the people that God has put in under their care. 
So our job, when we find the godly leaders who are true shepherds, who have a, a good hold of the gospel of grace, when we find those people, we have confidence in them and we trust them and we submit to their teaching and we submit to their vision. Of course, you know, we're Baptists, we have a say in all of this, do you know what I mean? And that's important that we give feedback uh, to our leaders and hear different opinions. All of those things are, are all important and a part of our processes. But when it comes to the crunch, when we find those leaders, then we trust them. No matter what our experience has been in the past, we find those leaders, we trust them and we support them and we stand with them and we pray for them. We imitate them and we submit to them. So this is our job. So what happens if we do this? What happens if we do imitate our leaders? What happens if we do uh, submit to them and trust them and support them? What happens if we, if we do that? Well, our leaders, according to this passage, will find joy in their job. Do this, verse 17, so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. It really is enjoyable leading, particularly leading God's people, when you know that they've got your back. <laughs> it's a, you know, like leadership's tough and there's many challenges, and particularly at the moment there's lots of challenges uh, because of the frustrations and the difficulties. But really, it's a tremendous joy and a tremendous privilege to lead uh, when you know that people are with you, when you know that people are supporting you. Not that they necessarily agree everything that you do or say, but, but they've got your back. I like that term, they've got your back. It's a, it's a joy leading when it's, when it's like that. And that's the way leadership's supposed to be. It's meant to be a joyful business. And when we support our leaders, when we trust our leaders, when we imitate our leaders, that's what it becomes. It becomes a, a joyful thing to do. But the writer of Hebrews goes further. So, so that sort of an attitude, support of leaders, not only benefits our leaders, because uh, they'll be more joyful people, <laughs> but it also benefits actually all of us. Uh, the last bit, he says, do this so that their work will be joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. If their work's a burden, then you're going to do it tougher too. If our leaders, as, the, as we lead them in our small groups and our ministries and our pastors and all the rest, if it's really hard work and a burden, then, then we're all going to suffer because of that. Uh, so not only will they know more joy, but we'll all know more joy. Everyone benefits. Some people think that, you know, uh, my job is to uh, critique and to make sure our leaders don't get too high and mighty and make sure that, that you know, we're not being controlled or whatever it is. So I remember one guy said to me, not in my church, thank goodness, but he said he'd, he'd caused a lot of problems in a church in members' meetings, and he said to me, I've got the gift of discouragement. <laughs> That's great, isn't it, right? The gift of discouragement. <laughs> and... Uh, and that's what it is. Like in the end, if we don't trust and support our leaders and they are doing a good job, they are doing what God wants, then we all, we all suffer because of that. The church is meant to be a joyful place, isn't it? Our leaders are to know joy, we're to know joy. And one of the ways that will happen is as we support our leaders. Now, can I just point out that uh, 
Nathan has not told me what I had to preach on this morning, all right? I just wanna be clear about that. I have chosen the passage myself because often it's harder for a pastor to say these things than it is for someone to come from outside and to say them. But I wanna point out, this is not my opinion. This is what Bible says. We worked through this passage really carefully this morning. This is important. Now, can I say, I know that in just about completely, I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> like the strength of Bridgie has been this, hasn't it? The strength of Bridgie has been godly leaders with a passion and a heart for God and a desire to serve. And a group of people that'll say, we'll support you, we'll stand with you, we'll follow you, we'll imitate you. That's been the strength of, of Bridgie. One of the strengths, there's been many strengths, but that's been one of the great strengths of Bridgie. And I want to encourage you in that. But I just want to say, make sure you hold on to that. That's a foundational value here. And it's very, very important to hold on to that because we're living in a society that's starting to split apart more and more. There's more and more criticism, more and more struggles in relationship. And the vital part to get through that together as a church is we follow our leaders. We imitate our leaders. We serve our leaders as they serve God. And this is really, really vital. So I know this is preaching to the choir. All I'm saying is, you're doing a good job, Bridgie. Keep it up. Let me uh, pray. Um, perhaps I'd, I'd just like to pray particularly for our leaders uh, as we come to this time. So if you're in leadership in the church, so that's pastors, that's leaders of ministry, leaders of small groups, uh, uh, we'd just like you to just to stand up now. Uh, so if you could do that, that would be great. So... Don't hesitate. If you're not sure whether you're a leader or not, stand up anyway. All right. So, uh, but uh, thank you. That's great. Okay. I want to really pray that your work will be a joy this year. There's a lot of pressure on us. I know that. And I want to pray that your work will be a joy. Um, if you're uh, sitting somewhere and there's a leader near you, we won't touch today because we're just being a bit careful but perhaps you could just hold out a hand towards a leader near, to, near you so that you could just pray for that person particularly as we as we just bow in prayer now so if you could just do that I'll be short so you can hold your hand out for for 30 seconds if that's all right it won't be a long prayer okay that's great let's pray together Lord I just want to thank you for these people Lord Jesus that you have called to a leadership role they have big responsibility they're accountable to you Lord for what they're doing Sometimes it does feel like holding that pyramid of marbles together, Lord. But I pray for them, Lord Jesus. Thank You for them. Thank You, Lord, that they're people of godly character. And I pray that that will continue, Lord Jesus. May their motive be to serve You and to serve the people that You've given them. I pray, Lord Jesus, that will be foremost in their lives, Lord. And that will be seen by everyone. I pray that they really will be worth imitating and we'll be able to learn and grow from them, Lord Jesus. So may this happen. And mostly I pray, Lord, that this will be a joyful year. Lord, there's a lot going against us. There's a lot trying to rip us apart. Lord, there's a lot trying to block what You're doing and in greater power, we believe this, Lord. May this be a joyful year, I pray, for this church. May it be a joyful year for these leaders, Lord, as they lead, as they lead well. May it be a joyful year as we follow and serve together. And in Your Name, I pray this, dear Jesus. Amen. Could we thank John for sharing with us this morning? 
I was thinking, isn't it amazing that God always speaks and He gives us a way. He didn't just leave us with the church and allow us to try and work it out ourselves. He says, no, this is how, how it is. This is how your leaders are to be. This is how we can follow and how we can encourage our leaders and support our leaders. And as a church, we'll get the joy and the fruitfulness that comes from that. And I want to just thank you as a pastor here. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your support. Uh, thank you for the words of encouragement. It is a blessing to serve here. But uh, as John has said, it's not always a given. It's something that the unity uh, is something we keep working towards. We keep wanting to bless one another and serve one another. We want to do that this year, as John said, with many challenges. But God is on the throne. God has His way and God is building His church. That's right, huh? That's it. So let's uh, stand together and we uh, continue to worship uh, Him this morning. Every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
trusted and here we are as we gather together in church today in person online we put our faith and our trust in you you will build your church and Lord we want to pray pray for your grace and your help Lord as leaders to be humble leaders to be leaders that are rooted and stand firmly in your word and your gospel leaders who are willing to serve leaders who are willing to love Lord God to follow your example not to grasp hold of authority, but to lay that down and to love others, Lord, we pray. And Father, help us to be a church that looks out for others, to encourage and support others, to to follow and to support. Because Lord, we recognise the power of unity, the power of working together, the power of building one another up. Help us by Your Spirit and by Your grace. And Father, we take this moment, this opportunity to pray for Nathan and Andrea as well as they're on break, Lord God, that You would strengthen them, that You renew them, You would continue to bless them and give them wisdom. And we pray, as this Word says, that it would be a joy to serve this church, lift them up, build them up. We give thanks to You for them. And we pray all these things in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Please be seated. It's been great to have you here this morning. Um, Please hang around. If you are new to Bridgman, we would love to help you connect in, uh, particularly at this time. It may be more challenging than usual. Please connect in, whether that's online, send us an email. We'd love to connect you in that way. If you're here today, come and chat to one of us as pastors. Otherwise, yeah, hang around. There's coffee there and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Have a great week.